On Thursday 5th of March, Central Hall played host to a debate between the three candidates for the UK parliamentary seat of York Outer. Organised by the York Union, the event was a traditional three-party speech and issue debate event, causing controversy from before the official proceedings even began. With me now is a representative of the Green Party who has been asking uh, those attending the debates to boycott the debates, asking why the Green Party was not invited. Uh, what's your position? Why are you asking people to, uh, to boycott uh, this event? It's unacceptable that our candidate for Outer York has just not been asked to participate. We share the same amount of vote in the national polls as the Liberal Democrats. Yes. And um, do you think that uh, in light of recent polling data, the Greens should have been invited even uh, towards the last minute? Absolutely. The debate was between the Conservative candidate, Julian Sturdy, who is the incumbent MP for York Outer, the Liberal Democrat candidate, James Blanchard, and the Labour candidate, Joe Ritchie. Each candidate was given time for six-minute speeches before preset questions on pertinent topics, including the economy and the NHS, followed by audience-led questions from the floor. Here are some highlights of the speeches by the three candidates. It is... Just past 7pm. The debate should be starting in a few minutes. Central Hall is full to about half capacity. Uh, quite a lot of people have turned out to the debate. As people were entering the building, a member of the Green Party, uh, the York Greens group named Stan, was passing out small leaflets urging people to boycott the debate, as the Green Party has not been invited. Uh, the leaflets say, question the exclusion, boycott the debate, ask why the Greens weren't invited. Green Party nationally is polling close to the Liberal Democrats at the moment, and the argument goes the Greens should have been invited as well. Similar sentiments also being expressed by members of UKIP. Joining me now is Oliver from the York Tories, who has helped to organise the Conservative role in this debate. Oliver, how do you think the debate's going to go tonight? Well, I'm really glad that we've got so many representatives from so many different parties. Uh, but I think that uh, Julian, as the incumbent, will show that he's a, a really powerful figure and definitely the next MP for York Outer. Do you think that there might be a strong student support base for uh, the Conservative candidate? Well, he is quite young and he's definitely very progressive as Conservatives go. Uh, so I definitely think that you wouldn't want to rule it out. What's your perspective, or could you give the York Tories perspective, on the exclusion of the Green Party and UKIP candidates uh, from this debate tonight, instead of just the original big three? Well, I couldn't speak for the York Tories, but uh, I'm sure it was an administrative decision taken by uh, the, um, the York Union that was uh, not based on any sort of political uh, motives. Okay. Julian Sturdy emphasised the Conservative-led government's role in restoring economic growth and earning the praise of the OECD for securing British economic credibility. So, first of all, Julian Sturdy. Julian Sturdy is an MP. He went to school in Harrogate. He's been the Yorkshire man all his life. He used to be a councillor in Harrogate as well, and he comes from a farming background. So Julian Sturdy is the current Conservative MP for York Outer, and I'd like to start the debate with him in his seven-minute speech. Thank you, Callum. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to be with you here today. This looks very professional. I feel like I'm about to take part in one of these TV debates, but uh, maybe we might get onto that as a, as a topic or whether they are or not going to be taking part. But um, I'm sure, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're going to hear three very different opinions from all of us tonight. But one thing I think the three of us will undoubtedly agree on is that this is one of the most important general elections in living memory. And no one can call it at the moment, if I'm being absolutely honest. I don't think even the brightest political 
um, commentators could call how the election is going to fall. But one thing is certain, ladies and gentlemen, it will be David Cameron or Ed Miliband will be walking into Dartmouth 10 after May the 7th. Unless, I might have, unless Labour are going to do some uh, special sort of um, deal with the SNP, which uh, sort of anoints Alex Salmond as a new leader. Um, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen. Things aren't going particularly well for Labour in Scotland, but maybe Joe will touch on that. But, ladies and gentlemen, I am particularly proud of what the Conservative Party, with our coalition partners, have achieved over the last five years. It's been a tough time, I accept that. There's been a lot of, lot of difficult decisions the coalition governments had to take. But when David Cameron became Prime Minister, the government was borrowing one pound in every four it spent, and we were faced with a threat of a sovereign debt crisis. It, we had suffered one of the deepest recessions since the war, and had the second largest deficit of any advanced economy in the world. And almost half a million people were losing their jobs, not being able to find work. So, ladies and gentlemen, when a country is heavily indebted and is borrowing money hand over fist, which we were, the only solution is to tax people more or spend less. So, as a coalition, we set out our plans with some tax rises and spending cuts in many departments, whilst protecting foreign aid, primary school education, and the National Health Service. And as a result of some of these very difficult reforms, our economy is now well on the road to recovery. We need to encourage aspiration by increasing, and this might be some, not what some of you will agree with, but by increasing the 40% tax rate to 50,000 and deliver tax cuts for married couples. Aspiration, ladies and gentlemen, is not a dirty word. I'll finish on this point. Aspiration is not a dirty word. We should embrace it. You come here to university, lots of you, for aspiration, to drive aspiration. And we need a government that will deliver for, for your aspiration. I believe a Conservative government will do that. James Blanchard emphasised traditional liberal values along with the accomplishments of the Liberal Democrats as junior coalition partners with the Conservatives. So to my immediate right is James Blanchard. James is the Liberal Democrat uh, parliamentary prospective candidate. He's from um, Scunthorpe. What is Bill, sorry? Uh, he ran for Scunthorpe in 2010, right? Scunthorpe, sorry. Ran for Scunthorpe in 2010. I think I'm Scunthorpe. Sorry, that's it. My notes have actually been printed off, so I'm going off from memory, so I apologise if I do any scribbles like that. He's currently a councillor in Huddersfield, and as I said, in 2010 he ran for the Huddersfield MPs. He works in York, he's worked for several national companies, and he's moving to York now, where he currently works with his family, and which is why he's stepping down as local, uh, local councillor at the end of May. So, thanks for that, Callum. You missed out that I'm married to a lady from York as well, um, but uh, apart from that. Uh, good evening, thanks for coming this evening. It's great to see such a wonderful turnout. Uh, lots of people will say young people aren't interested in politics, but you know, you guys put the, the light to that, don't you? And it's an exciting general election because this is going to be an unusual one in which we don't know what the result will be um, right until the very last council, the votes of council, I believe. 
And it's all about the future of our country. We're going to be talking about making decisions which will be affecting the lives of everybody in this country and will actually be affecting the entirety of your lives in this country. Uh, I'm a Liberal Democrat and to me, Liberalism is about freedom. It's about freedom from poverty, it's about freedom from ignorance, and it's about freedom from the need to conform. And you can't create freedom without creating opportunity. So opportunity is at the core of everything we've been trying to do uh, in the coalition government. So let me take you back uh, to five years ago. Well, we really were on uh, the uh, ledge of an economic abyss. We had the worst recession since the 1930s, unemployment was rocketing to 3 million people, and everyone was saying it was only going to get worse. Our borrowing, this proportion of GDP, was as high as Greece, and we all know what's happened there since. And we just had a general election, which is no decisive winner. So I think the Liberal Democrats were absolutely right um, to see that the parties needed to work together to give leadership and stability on the uh, economy to provide um, those opportunities for all of our futures. And what we've been able to get working in coalition government, as I said, has been focused on opportunity. We've been able to cut income tax bills for the lowest paid by £800, which David Cameron, if you look at the YouTube clips of the last TV debates, said was completely unaffordable. We've put in free school meals for the uh, youngest uh, children at uh, primary school and we've invested two and a half billion pounds per year uh, on the uh, school pupils from the poorest background, whether they're from big cities, whether they're from the most rural areas, whether from suburban towns, wherever. It's been targeted on need, whereas in the past it was pet projects of the Labour government focusing on particularly inner city schools, um, despite what the need of those children might be. We've produced, we've given 15 hours of free childcare to parents so that they've got the freedom to get back into the labour market if they so wish. We've increased personal freedom by enabling new parents to share maternity leave so that mums and dads can decide exactly how they care for a new baby and who goes back to work as and when. And we've been able to allow people to marry who they want to. I think equal marriage is incredibly important as a, a measure of respect for everybody in our society. On top of that, we've been able to protect NHS budgets and education budgets in the face of the recession. Finally, Joe Ritchie for the Labour Party emphasised his own ties to York as a city and to the university. His speech contained many impassioned denotations of his stances on a wide range of political issues, local and national. I want to tell you about who I am and the kind of member of parliament that I will be. I work in adult social care, supporting adults with learning disabilities. I've worked in managerial roles and on the front line. I graduated in this very hall as a mature student five years ago. It's the first time I've been back as well. Um, and I live in York where I'm a local councillor. I got active in the Labour Party when I was 18 in 2003, when many people who had the same political views as me were drifting away from I opposed the Iraq War, the introduction of top-up fees, ID cards, and so-called anti-terror legislation. And I opposed the deepening involvement of the private sector in public services. But I never abandoned the Labour Party or the Labour Movement because it's the only mass movement that can deliver progressive change for working class people in this country. 
The last Labour government lifted millions of children out of poverty, rebuilt crumbling schools and hospitals, introduced the minimum wage, delivered peace in Northern Ireland, and through its policies, improved the lives of millions of people. I know what kind of MP we need and what kind of government we need. We need an MP who understands the housing crisis that we are living through. Like me, you won't want to be stuck paying rip-off rents and sharing houses well into your 30s because you were born at the wrong time. We need an MP who will be, hear people's concerns about where housing development will be, but is prepared to stand up and fight for housing when it is sometimes unpopular. Not an MP who goes around his constituency stoking opinion against new housing. We need an MP who champions vulnerable people in New York hit by welfare changes. Not an MP who claims tens of thousands on his second home allowance while voting to cap housing benefit, forcing unemployed and disabled people out of the communities where they have lived for generations. We need an MP who supports the rights of LGBTQ people to their equal lives and fights discrimination, building on the progress of the last few years and continues to battle for trans equality. Not an MP who opposes the right of people to marry the person they love. This election is about a choice between two competing visions of what kind of city and what kind of country we should be. Finally, Joe Ritchie for the Labour Party emphasised his own ties to York as a city and to the university. His speech contained many impassioned denotations of his stances on a wide range of political issues, local and national. Thank you to the three candidates for delivering their speeches. We're now going to ask you to ask the candidates some questions. So please get your hands high. We've got a couple of runners with microphones. We're going to take two questions at one time, but we're going to ask one question at a time, if that makes sense. So, here at the front, one. One of the first questions asked was by a woman who was sat in the front row, who declared herself to be Ginny Shaw, the Green Party candidate for York Outer. She thanked the union with some sarcasm for allowing her to ask a question of the other candidates on social housing support, with strong applause from the audience. The Green Party candidate has just asked a question by being given the microphone. Yes, my question is because my um, background is that I'm a housing professional and I, I chaired a housing association in York. Um, so meeting the needs of, of uh, people in housing in York for 13 years. Um, my question is, uh, given the housing crisis, leaving almost 4,000 priority homeless households on the City of York Council waiting list, what is the panel's response to the Greens' pledge to build half a million new social rented homes by 2020? Jay, how are you tackling this? Um, I'd welcome uh, to increase the supply of housing. Uh, I think the Greens need to be perhaps be clear as to how they're going to fund those 500,000 homes. Um, we have been. Joe 
talk about the local plan and how we've got to build more houses, we've got to put them all in the green belt, let's get those brownfield sites going first. And the Labour Party in York has failed on that time and time again. And this is why, as a government, as a coalition government, we've put money in to, for local authorities to bid to get brownfield sites moving. I completely accept the York Central site is a very difficult site to develop, but it's also an exceptionally important site for the city to get moving, and nothing has been happening on that. Hopefully things will start moving if the council can get hold of some of this coalition government money that they put into it. But again, sadly, things should be moving early on these sites. Thank you. A student questionnaire asked the candidates about their positions on LGBTQ and particularly trans rights, questioning Julian Sturdy's decision to oppose the Equal Marriage Bill, voted on by MPs in 2013. Yes, so um, trans rights were mentioned earlier, and transsexual rights were mentioned earlier, and as an LGBTQ person I'm wondering why you, Julian, voted against the Marriage Equality Bill and what the other two would do to improve LGBTQ rights in the UK. Yeah, no, absolutely. I did vote against it. And I don't know whether you, you wrote to me on this. Um, I did have a lot of constituents write to me on this at the time. Um, for quite a, quite a long period of time as, as we built up to it. Um, and if, and I'm sure there is some constituents in the room who did write to me about it, or have had a response back to me, uh, back from me on it, they will know that for me this was a very difficult decision. It was, it was a balanced decision that I had to take. Firstly, listening to your constituents, and the constituents who contact you about the issue. And to be honest, the vast majority of the constituents who contacted me were against it. But the second point for me was also um, my religious beliefs, and thirdly, balanced against my beliefs as a Conservative in freedom. And they were, if I'm honest, and I put in the letter to anyone who wrote to me, a complete conflict with this issue. So I had, it was a very difficult decision for me. I thought long and hard about it. Um, it wasn't party political, it was a complete free vote across um, all the political parties I'm, I'm led to believe. Um, so this wasn't about the whipped issue or anything like that. Um, either way, it was a very difficult decision for me and ultimately I did vote against it. Um, it got through with a big majority. Um, and, and if I'm honest, since, since it has been through, um, uh, one of my... Uh, Close friends uh, got married, uh, and, and I went there, and I had a great time. It was a very good thing, a very good ceremony, and it, made, it did make me think, if I'm honest, whether I had done the right thing. But ultimately, I did vote, vote against it. It's a tough decision for me. Anyone who wrote to me about it at the time and contacted me at the time would know that in the response they got back. James, how do you relate? Well. I think there's much more to a, a, a wedding and a marriage than the ceremony on the day. Uh, certainly, I'm sure my, my wife will say herself. Um, and as I said right from the start of my speech, you know, what I believe in above all other things really is the freedom for somebody to be who they are and want to be. And at the end of the day, if you've got religious reasons you don't uh, believe in gay marriage, you know what? You should be perfectly free not to marry a man. But, I'm sure it has, it's an old one, but, you know, there is no way that the ability for other people who love one another to marry one another does not diminish my marriage to a woman 
in any respect whatsoever. And I just think it's incredible to even try and make that argument. We've got opt-outs to make sure that churches, that are other religions that don't uh, agree with this, um, with a gay marriage, can say, well, we don't want to have this on our premises. Of course. There are some groups, you know, we have some Jewish groups, we have some Christian groups, particularly Quakers and Unitarianisms, who actually support these wholeheartedly. And they've got the freedom to have these ceremonies on their, on their grounds as well. So we've increased freedom, and this is yet another one of those cases where if it were not for Liberal Democrats in government, you would not be able to enjoy this freedom today because they would not have done it by themselves. On the issues of uh, transgender and transsexual issues, um, I completely support you there as well. I'm really proud that my party was the first of the big three to have openly transgender people standing for Parliament at general elections. Um, hopefully, one of those might um, get, get in at this general election. One or even more, that would be super, and help to raise what I think is a really important profile. Because we've come so far in terms of gender and sexual rights. I have friends in their 60s and 70s who have criminal records because they were caught with somebody they loved before, I think it was 1967, when such things became legal. And that is completely wrong. We've got so much further to go in all manner of these issues, but frankly, the Conservative Party won't do it on their own, and the Labour Party were so mealy-mouthed and half-hearted about it, they could only bring in a civil partnership, which really was an opt-out in order to make it clear that you are some kind of second-class citizen. You are just as good as every other person in our society, and you should be free to live your life, marrying or not marrying whoever you And we need an international alliance to, to stand up and fight this kind of prejudice. Um, so um, I think we have a very good uh, record to stand up. And um, you know, as a, as a Catholic, I was very happy to support gay marriage. It, it doesn't come into it for me. I believe in equality for everybody, uh, regardless of um, religious preference. I don't think that, that actually um, comes into it. Just when tuition fees was raised as an issue. James Blanchard defended his own and his party's record on the matter, criticising the latest policies of the Labour Party, which pledged to reduce fees from £9,000 to £6,000 per year if Labour wins the next general election. Joe Ritchie emphasised his own emphatic opposition to all fees, and Julian Sturdy repeated the government's insistence that the raising of fees was a difficult but necessary decision to take. But now... They're saying, oh, well, what we'll do, we've uh, got a headline by saying, well, not a couple of grand for the tuition fees headline. But uh, don't take my word for it. Take an independent person like uh, Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert website. As he's pointed out, their headline-grabbing um, policy will actually only help you if when you graduate, you walk into a job earning 35 grand a year and keep on earning significantly more than graduates in other jobs. So that won't help teachers, it won't help nurses, it's going to help investment bankers. And do you know what? I think if the government's going to help people in this country, bankers are doing all right. Right. Jeff, how do you respond? Right, okay. Um, uh, well, I don't know what to say in response to James. I mean, let's start with the Brown Report. Um, the Brown Report 
thing about the report when you commission it, you don't have to accept what's in it. There's plenty of reports commissioned by governments where they see the recommendation and they say no. There was no good one. We didn't say we didn't prevent every single recommendation. That is not it is not it is not true. Plenty of labor I mean what Peter Hamilton wanted to do was not the settled world of parliamentary labor parties. The idea that we were going to bring in nine grand fees or whatever what was done with those fees I can't remember. It was a ridiculous proposal. Um, as I mean I don't have to know if I did say I have always been I went on demonstrations against the last Labour government. Uh, when we brought in top up things, it was a disgraceful um, betrayal of students back then. Um, and I published it. It, it, it was completely wrong. I believe in free education funded um, by um, the taxpayers. Um, not, not because James is sort of a little sounding thing about we all benefit from being around smart people. It's about it's about you know whether people can pursue what they want to, to do, you know, to get a job, to, to pursue education, um, for employment and, and just for education. So we should fund that collectively and you shouldn't be taxed on the basis of how um, educated you are, you should be taxed on the basis of your ability to pay. Um, I believe in it being through progressive taxation. We have brought in new policy to reduce tuition fees to get nearer to that principle, funded by um, ending tax reliefs um, on pensions. I mean, if you've got that much to contribute um, to your pension, you're, you're doing okay. I think, I think uh, it's a fair funding source. As I said, it's not as far as we, we should go. I had a long and interesting route into higher education. It took a long time to graduate. I dropped out. I worked for a while. Um, and there were obstacles along the way. I know that I could never have graduated under nine grand things. And to be frank, I couldn't have graduated under six grand fees either. Um, do you realise repayments are lower than what they were under the old system? I understand the issue about repayments, but the whole point, James, is that if you implement the system where you don't expect people, well, 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 the whole point of it is that you're paying for the rent a year, but then half the population doesn't end up doing it. It's a, it's a failure of a policy objective. It's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. It's there's a few points that haven't been mentioned so far in this whole uh, debate within, within tuition fees. I mean, tuition fees was deeply, a deeply controversial issue, there's no doubt about it. And you know, there was a lot of anger for, for, for a, a large number of students uh, five years ago over that. So it's a decision that was taken in a climate where government and departmental cuts of up to 40% were having to be made given the economic situation we were facing. Um, however, five years on, let's just have a look at the universities and how they're doing. Five years on, the sky hasn't fallen in. Student numbers are a, a record high. Students from disadvantaged backgrounds, the number of students going from disadvantaged backgrounds has gone up by 20% over the last five years. And most importantly, because of the stronger economy, the difficult, based on the difficult decisions, that the coalition government had to take, the career prospects of students when they're leaving university is much higher. And ultimately, you go to university because you want to get on, you want to better yourself, you want a career and a job at the end of it. And you need those jobs there at the end of it, at the end of the university, and you need those career prospects. And they're a lot stronger now, five years on, than they were 
when, we took, when the coalition came to government. And I think that is the point that's been missing from this debate so far. Secondly, for me, and as the MP for the last five years going around and talking, um, and many times coming to the university, the thing that keep, everyone keeps telling me, it's not about the tuition fees. It's actually about the cost of living within student life, because they're the upfront costs you have to pay. The rent is the housing, the, the, the food costs. The tuition fees are something that isn't paid upfront. So that's the real cost, and that's the real issue that might put students off coming to university. And that, for me, is the key thing, because universities should be open for all. Now, so, on the Labour policy, I mean, I think it's absolutely garbage what, what, what's come out. It's just pure political propaganda to sort of suddenly strike the uh, tuition fees down from 9,000 to 6,000 and will ultimately cause real problems for the universities um, economically. So already universities like York are saying, whoa, you got this, this will cause real problems for us here. But there is a point which I think I would like our party to investigate and look, look on, um, which has come out, and that is the increase, the £400 increase um, that, uh, that, that has already been proposed in the, um, in the maintenance grant, and I think it was capped at um, 46, 46,000, was it? It was a family of 40, uh, a joint income of 46,000. But basically, you know, the, the, the maintenance grant, they were proposing, uh, it was a proposal to put up the maintenance grant by 400 pounds uh, a year, um, but, it, but it was capped on a, on a household budget of, I think, 46,000, I think, if I'm correct, 42. Um, and I think that is something that does need looking at. I don't, I think it's too crude what's happened there because I still think with that figure, whether it's 42 or 46, I think it's not my policies, I'm not 100% certain on it, but so whatever that figure is, it still delivers what's called a cliff edge. So if, you, if it's 42 and your family income is 43, you get nothing. But if it's 42 or 41, then you get the maintenance. And for me, that those cliff edges with these things are a problem, and I think it should be more taken. But I certainly think that that is something that uh, a future, the future government, and uh, we might hear something up on the note preview uh, to it over, over, over the next few weeks. I, my, my party hasn't come out um, yet with its position on this, but I think it's something that does need looking at, because for me, that, that, that is the bigger issue. The debate concluded with thanks from the union to the candidates and to the audience, but questions still remaining from supporters of the Green Party and UKIP as to why their candidates were not included. The York Union said in a statement that both time constraints and the low threshold of votes secured by the two minor parties at the 2010 general election prevented them from being included. Nevertheless, in the drinks reception which followed the Central Hall debate, Many of the York Greens were quick to set up an information stand alongside the other parties. After hanging a banner in the Central Hall main foyer, Stuart Maul from the York Greens told me that the group was, quote, along with the other smaller parties excluded, are here to provide an opportunity to speak to the Green candidate Ginny Shaw, end quote. The highlight of the debate was the unforeseen on-stage doorstepping of the three candidates by the excluded Green candidate. From the level of controversy over the debate itself, the York Union has become the latest casualty of the decline of the old three-party system. This is Jack Staples-Butler for URY News.